Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host and I'm not recording this in Edinburgh anymore. But this podcast is still dedicated to the tragedy of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We were part of the PBH Free Fringe and we put on 11 shows at the Fiddler's Elbow where we brought together performers to do something tragic. The variety and the quality was truly amazing and we're going to keep sharing them with you every day until the festival ends on the 26th of August. If you want to subscribe to us, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud and the Stitcher Smart Radio app. With this episode, we wanted to sort of celebrate female performers that we've had on Stand Up Tragedy over the years. Stand Up Tragedy takes great pride in trying to have some kind of equality in terms of who you see on our stages. It'd be great if the rest of the world could get with us on this and have a kind of equal number of women and men in positions of power and influence. But until then, the stand-up tragedy stage very much intends to be a place where you'll see an equal number of women, as you will, men. In fact, many of our shows, you see more women than men. Maybe that's not equal, but hey, over time it balances out. So this episode, we sort of wanted to put together some of our favourite female performers that we've had and sort of just give a nod to the fact that the stand-up tragedy project, generally speaking, thinks that everybody has a tragedy that they should share and women are just as much as men and in fact I mean you could argue that since we do not have equality the world is in many ways more tragic for women than it is for men. So today we thought we'd flag that up a little bit and we would share some brilliant female performers. First up we have Lucy Ayrton sharing some tragic poetry up in Edinburgh on our stage stand-up tragedy. We hope you enjoyed it. Hello, um, hello everybody. I'm going to do a couple of poems for you tonight um, about despair, disappointment and unhappiness. I see, I normally apologise for this, but I figure you guys are my people. Um, (laughs) You've actively turned up to be bummed out, which um, from the point of view is glorious. Um, So, the first poem I'm going to do is about work. Has anyone ever had a really shit job? Has anyone ever actually worked as a royal poison tester? (laughs) Okay. Well, I've worked in insurance, which is fairly similar in terms of um, hopelessness, and I wrote um, this poem about it. In corporate land, every day is the same. Every day there's a meeting and management claim that last week was a great week because of their skill, but still there's room for improvement with you, so go out and kill them. Knock them dead. Eye of the tiger, roar of the bear, yeah? Every day you go back and you sit at your desk with the rest of the drones and you stare at your phone like an old enemy. Every day you will sing the heartbreaking refrain, hello corporate land, can I help? And you'll give all your tasks about 20%, even though you know full well you're meant to be giving 110. And then you'll worry all day. You'll get found out and sent to the manager's office that's full of the scent of bad coffee and lies. And you'll stare at his tie and you'll try not to cry while he tells you he's... I'm really disappointed, Lucy, actually. And his phone will go off just like that. Bloody managers, never done. And you'll want to say, you're 
you're disappointed. When I was a little girl, I was going to be the world's first brain surgeon slash rock star. Now my job's to put lies into pie charts. I know you wonder why I come in with toothpaste down me sometimes. It's because I don't really like looking in the mirror. You're, you're disappointed. But you can't. So you smile and say sorry and aren't and think, stuff you, corporate land, because in corporate land, every day there's a fight between you in your head and the you in plain sight while one kicks and she hisses, the other one kisses the ass of corporate land because in corporate land, there's just so much to lose. Underneath you, there's someone who's better than you with her freshly pressed shirt and her nicely shone shoes and her not understanding the emotion of despair and one day, she'll get you. One day, you'll lose or maybe you'll let her. Maybe you'll choose to say... Fuck you, corporate land. Thank you very much. Uh, you're very kind, um, but I don't think that you're sad enough. Um, so I'm going to do my saddest poem. Oh, that's really promising, because you don't even know what it's about yet. Um, um, it's about me breaking up with someone who I really loved. Yeah, that's right. Except, obviously, I didn't love him. Like, I mean, I did still dump him, so... I've loved, I've loved people more. Um, <laughs> okay, um, yeah, um, it goes like this. I haven't told you yet. And I won't, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep. Always have. Should have said something sooner, but I've been really busy lately, making my own clothes and trying not to be a disappointment. I've been trying to wear skirts more and flirt less and do things that hurt less and be quieter. And prior to this conversation, I was doing fine. It's only ever a matter of time. I've always been the kind of girl who thinks a lot about what might be an acceptable level of deceit. The kind of girl who feels guilty about feeling guilty about how much she eats. The kind of girl who thinks that herbal tea and tequila both taste exactly the same. <laughs> both taste like defeat. The kind of girl who's been really busy lately doing her morning yoga and trying not to say that sometimes I want to eat less apple and more cake. Sometimes I want to take the seventh shot of Calvados and drink it down and let the frown slip off my face and drip onto the dance floor. Sometimes I want more than me. Sometimes I want to dance until my head spins and not push boys away when they tell me about what could be. Sometimes I want to let me be lost. I haven't told you that, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep and I've been dreaming about dragons and towers and knights and gingerbread houses and wizards and spells. I've been dreaming about forests and dark paths and wolves. I've been dreaming about being lost and I've been not wanting to pull myself back into the day and I didn't want to say any of this to you. I've been really busy lately, 
eating organic rice cakes and trying not to be a disappointment, but I can't. They're not real cake. <laughs> For your sake, I've been not following breadcrumb trails, but I can't not wonder where they lead. I can't stop reading fairy tales. I won't stop believing in magic. I haven't told you yet that sometime you'll need to let me be lost. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh. Thank you very much. Um, I am um, going to leave you with one last poem about uh, childhood unfairness. I always think those are the kind of unfairnesses that cut the very deepest. Um, did anyone else grow up in Yorkshire? No, really? We still have dragons there. It's amazing. You should definitely visit. Game of Thrones, documentary. Um, anyway, I, um, I grew up in um, Yorkshire. I think this is a northernism, but um, my mum always used to say to me whenever I said that I wanted something, I want never gets. To anyone else? Yeah. I think most families have a phrase that translates as, fuck you, kid, life's not fair. Um, and this was, this was my family's. Um, and uh, yeah, now I'm an adult, I, I wrote poem about it, although I think ultimately she was right, which kind of sucks. Um, yeah, um, so it goes like this. At school, I learnt to count. Then I learnt to use a calculator, so I didn't have to count anymore. And then I learnt to use a spreadsheet, so I didn't have to use a calculator anymore. And I learnt that I want never gets. And at school, I learnt to write. And then I learnt to type. So I didn't have to write anymore, and then I learned to copy and paste stuff off the internet, so I didn't have to type anymore. I learned that I want never gets. And at school, I learned to talk. Then I learned to shout, so I didn't have to talk anymore. I learned to drive, so I didn't have to walk anymore. I learned to use Facebook, so I didn't have to stalk people in person anymore. <laughs> and I learned that I want never gets, but I do want. I want, like, more time left to stop climate change. Or, I want to stop climate change. <laughs> or, I want to stop feeling so guilty about not really doing anything to stop climate change. And I want everyone else to cycle to work as well. And I want people to tell me that my legs are looking really nice. <laughs> Thank you, I've been cycling to work. And I want an end to casual office sexism. And I want when someone comes up to me and asks me if I've heard about the terrible thing that's been happening to Gaza, I want for them to mean Gaza, not Gaza. And I want for terrible things to stop happening to Gaza. And Gaza. And I want to properly, properly understand Israel and Palestine. Because I don't. And I want friends who don't take the piss out of me every time that comes up in conversation. And I want to stop being so frightened of ungrounded media extrapolation. And I want us as a society to forget about the concept of damnation. I gave up on salvation a while ago. <coughs> I wanted to believe in salvation. I wanted to believe in Uncle Sam. I also wanted to not be told lies about Vietnam or Iraq or really, really 
want a new MacBook. <laughs> Furniture that isn't flat pack. And I want world peace. Because at school, I learned right from wrong. And then I learned to fit in. So I didn't need to know right from wrong anymore. And then I learned the rules. So I didn't need to know right from wrong anymore. And now I know the law, so I don't need to know right from wrong anymore. But I do know that I want never gets. Thank you very much, guys. Have a great evening. This year, Lucy didn't come up to the festival with her own show, although she did last year, and it was an amazing show that she brought up lullabies to make children cry. But this year, she came up and did lots of guest slots, so she appeared as part of Faye Roberts' Other Voices Cabaret Spoken Word Show, which is a show dedicated to other voices, voices you don't normally hear, so promoting that show on today's episode is very appropriate. And that's at the Banshee Labyrinth that... 2.50 every day. Lucy's 2012 show was a huge success and was tragically called Lullabies to Make Children Cry. If you'd like to read some of those poems or find out anything else about Lucy, go to www.lucyinthepubwithsider.tumblr.com or follow her on Twitter at Lucy Ayrton, A-Y-R-T-O-N. We're big fans of Lucy at Stand Up Tragedy. Beck Hill is a comedian who has performed with Stand Up Tragedy in the past and our producer Bryony caught up with Beck at the Banshee Labyrinth. Now let's listen to what she had to say about her experience of tragic sexism on the stage during the festival and how she has worked tragedy into her first Fringe children's show. My uh, children's show is called Beck and Tom's Awesome Laundry and in a nutshell it's about uh, Tom taking me to the laundry to do the washing and I don't want to do it. Yeah, so I keep trying to come up with different ways to distract myself and him so that we don't have to do the laundry. So, um, have you ever done any children's stuff before? No. Well, I've been booked to do stand-up for kids a few times, um, but this is the first time I've actually officially written for kids, so it's the first solo show, uh, sorry, first um, debut show uh, for kids. I know you can't give too much away, mm. but I was wondering, basically, why did it make Dave cry when you saw it at our host? Yeah, I am, there is, there's one bit in the show, and yeah, I can't go into it too much because it will reveal a big plot point in the story, but it's essentially the reason why I don't want to do the washing. Um, and we, that kind of, I can't actually 100% remember how it came about. I think the... We came up with a concept of like maybe we should have a reason why I don't want to do the laundry, and then we sort of developed this tiny little sort of backstory for why that is. Uh, and then um, I, what I will say is I present it with a um, uh, flip. I use flip charts in my stand up and, and in the kids show, and uh, all the flip charts have moving components. So it's kind of like a pop up book, but they're mainly two dimensional pop ups. Uh, so I call it paper puppetry. So I sort of present this little backstory in that fashion with a really lovely piece of music from Lars and the Real Girl, which is a gorgeous film as it is. So it's a nice, it's, it's a mix of a really nice piece of music with just an illustrated story. There's no talking or anything like that. There's no writing. So it's all just visual to music and you kind of get this story about why I don't like doing the washing. What's it like to, because we've been, uh, our performers present tragedy to adults. What's it like trying to present the same ideas to children? Uh, we've found that the kids kind of the kids follow it and they don't um, and they sort of relate to it. 
but it's the adults that are the ones that get affected by the story the most. And I think that's because the the story is um, for kids. It's probably not something that's happened to them. Um, they don't. They can't really relate to it as much. They can see why I'm I'm sad, but they don't 100 percent understand through experience where whereas I think a lot of more adults read into the story and they connect it with things that have happened in their life and it conjures up feelings of nostalgia and and loss and things like that and I think it's a little it becomes more of a vent for for adults so we found that um, kids come out they love it they love the bum jokes poo jokes things like that Um, but it's the adults that come out and go you made me cry and then we think yeah we've done a good show (laughs) is it important to that you don't hide things like tragedy from yeah I think so I mean I'm not I'm probably not qualified to say so I don't have any kids myself but um I remember watching um oh there's a wonderful film do you know um I'm looking at Bridie now who I've I've just done a a thing for no there's a film called it's like Bak Bakala or Bak Baraka or something like that. Barack Obama. No, <laughs> it's um, uh, it's uh, it's like a full-length feature film to only to music, and it's like um, bits of uh, I wouldn't say stock footage, but it's like documentary-style footage of just stuff that's happening around the world, um, and it's incredibly powerful. It's one of those ones where it's like one word, and I think it starts with a B. Someone out there will know what I'm talking about. Um, I was quite young when it came out. I think I must have been maybe about ten or eleven. And I remember watching it with my mum. And it's one of those fascinating things you can just watch and you can't take your eyes away because it's just this pieces of music with, like, scenes of, like, uh, maybe the stars going across the star- sky and stop in... Um, uh, I forgot the word now. You know, when they go really fast. <laughs> um, ex- long exposure, I think it's called. Um, anyway, so it's just things like that. and But then it also shows you people living in different cities and stuff. And, and I remember seeing... It was an image of uh, a homeless person with their child and the kid was kind of looking really sad and hungry um, and they were begging and I that hit me really powerfully as a kid, really powerfully. I think I suddenly realised here I was sitting, sitting in a really warm lounge with my mum watching a movie and then out there there are kids who are starving and they don't have homes and their parents don't. And, um, and I remember getting really upset and my... And my mum said, um, and my mum, you know, kind of consoled me, but at the same time she didn't console me to say, you know, oh, it's a, I'm sure that they found somewhere or something like that. She just goes, some, some people are, are like that and, you know, hopefully one day they won't be. And, you know, if we try and help in situations like that and, you know, she, she couldn't explain the whole background of how economy of countries and stuff works and things like that but it did kind of make me go okay and it sort of prepared me for for adulthood yeah I remember being introduced to yeah things like the, like finding out that racism existed or something mm. like that I found that out and I was like what why you know yeah why why did that concept exist? I don't understand mm. do you have a tragic moment uh, yeah, I thought I'd tell you about the most recent, recent tragic moment, which was a gig that I did, a late night gig, um, just a couple of days ago. Uh, I've, I was mentioning this um, in another interview, but I, I've been very lucky in that all the comedy gigs I do are pretty nice, usually with people that I like. 
Uh, and I showed up to this gig, it was about 1am, uh, the crowd was very drunk and rowdy. I came out on stage and they kind of went, just because I happened to be female, which I found really odd because I don't have to put up with that much. Um, I don't usually get treated differently just because I happen to be a different gender to the rest of the bill. Um, and uh, But I managed to win the crowd over and I was really proud of myself and, and I felt like I'd done really well. And then when I walked off stage, the uh, old hack MC came on. Uh, pointed to where I just walked off and went, yeah, she's great, isn't she? I shagged her. When she finds out, she'll be furious, which is just like the worst way to under, like to undermine a set just by going, hey, great set. I raped you in your sleep, like, and I just, and it made me so depressed to realise that that's still going on. Um, but as I also mentioned, uh, what made me feel better was knowing that he'll die soon. So you know, there's there's a silver lining to every cloud. Tragic. Tragic. Truly tragic. Yeah. Beck has had two shows at the Fringe this year. Her kids' show, Beck and Tom's Awesome Laundry, was hands down one of the best things I saw at the Fringe. It was moving, it was funny, it worked for children, it worked for adults, it worked for everybody in the room I saw it with. It made me cry, it made me laugh, it made my eight-year-old niece laugh and think, and we all engaged with it, the whole family engaged with it. Brilliant show. The last performance of it was on the 16th, so you can't see it anymore in Edinburgh, but you should go and see it whenever you get an opportunity and you should look out for more comedy children's shows performed by Beck and Tom in the future. Beck, she's also doing a kind of best of of her last few years stand-up routines with Beck by popular demand at the Gilded Balloon at 4pm daily. Find out more about her at www.beckhillcomedian.com. Also can be considered as Be Chill Comedian, because that's how the words all combine together. And you can find her at Be Chill Comedian or Beck Hill Comedian on Twitter. We love Beck at Stand Up Tragedy, and it's such a joy to have her on the podcast, complimenting the wonderful poetry that we've heard today from Lucy Ayrton. So that was some tragedy with a female focus. Tomorrow tragedy will be different but it will still be something worth sharing and you can share tragedy using the hashtag tragic moments or by tweeting us at stand up for tragedy finding us on facebook where we're stand up tragedy going over to our website www.standuptragedy.co.uk subscribing to us on stitcher smart radio app which will help you stream some tragedy daily on your smartphone or we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're all over the internet. Go and find us. And for now, the tragedy is over.
This podcast was produced by Brian Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiojuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the reactionaries with added bagpipes from Vaughan Grandin. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over. Stand up tragedy.